I want to introduce my sermon tonight by uh, uh, turning to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 7, verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. The end of matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Well, tonight we want to close a chapter in Saul's life. First Samuel, from chapter 1 onward, was giving us a history of God's people after Judges and the death of Joshua, leading up to Judges. And during the Judges, it was not looking very good. Everyone was doing what was pleasing in their own eyes when they were people of covenant. And yet God in his goodness and kindness also, he didn't leave them without uh, his blessings. Even Eli himself, who was growing old and, and also departing from God, as his children were abusing God's people and were doing bad things. Well, God raised up a man a man of God, Samuel, to be the prophet to God's people. And we have seen how he was used by God to raise up leaders, including Saul himself. But Saul, who's supposed to be a man of God, he disobeyed. When obedience was crucial to the covenant that God has made with his own people, all that he requires of them, he asked them to obey. Where do we read that? We read that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands... I give you today, that was Moses is speaking to God's people. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Just all these blessings will accompany him if he only obeys the Lord. That is the the conditions of the blessing. They line up, but they cannot come into really fruition except through obedience. And you can apply that. We, even in the New Testament, because God speaks in terms of covenants. What did Jesus say in the New Testament about the covenant? On that last day when he was like having the supper with his own people. The Last Supper. What did he say? He said to them, this covenant, this blood is the blood of the covenant that I make with you. So Jesus is still speaks in terms of the covenants. The Old Testament people, they were under the covenant with God. 
And God has provided the, 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 the condition for the covenant. And in the New Testament also, Jesus Christ himself, he has brought us into this covenant, new covenant through his precious blood. And also he calls us to obedience. So whether we are in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, obedience plays a significant part of our work with God. And in fact, is one of the most important things. In fact, is the number one. You cannot work with God that you do not obey. Because that is what determines whether you are a believer, a God-fearing person, or you are a person who is living his life away from God. Confessing Christ is coming under his lordship, coming under his mastership, obeying all the, the claims he made of himself, that he is the master and you are the slave. You go to bed after he goes to bed himself. And that there is no final word from anyone that you take as a gospel than himself. Just imagine if the doctor said that you are finished. They wrote your death certificate. But you are still talking to the doctor as a dead. <laughs> Will you take his word as a gospel, as a God-fearing person or a believer? I, I doubt if, if that is your attitude, sort of to say that you have not come into a relationship with God. And we read in, in, some, in, um, in, in Matthew 19, Jim read it to us, that what was so impossible with man was not impossible with God, isn't it? In Matthew 19. That was what we read. And so even when the doctor said, like, it's finished, and if you are a believer, you say, well, may the last word be of my Lord, my God. Well, in chapter 31, we see a very graphic picture of a man who lived against God and in disobedience, and he was expecting a great outcome. And also, from my observation, even as he was just facing this difficult situation, he was also unable, even in his pride, to cry out to God for salvation and for rescue. Well, maybe you didn't follow Jim proper, properly when he was reading. I just want to refresh uh, your memory again by turning to the text of First Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. Now the Philistines, they were enemy of, of God's people. They were a powerful nation at that time. And that area has many powerful people. There were people who were stronger than God's people themselves. But God's people, they had the privilege of having God of Israel as their God, always fighting their battles. And yet now we see how Saul is, after he was pursuing David, wanting to kill David, and now he himself is facing this situation where his real enemy, when he was thinking that David was his first enemy, now his real enemies are coming after him. David was not his first enemy. David was not a threat to him. 
And I think it says something to us. Sometimes we go after the wrong enemy, isn't it? As Christian, ourselves. Well, tonight there is a call for us to identify our real enemies. Because if we go after a wrong enemy, so we are disobeying God, like Saul, isn't it? So we are sinning to God in our hearts. We are not engaged in his own battles, in true battles, but we have our own battles. That was what really Saul gave all his energy to do, just running after David. He was neglecting to prepare his heart for God's enemy. He failed to do that. And there will always be a preparation to a battle ourselves. So we just don't walk to battles just without warnings. Always battles, they, 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 they come with warnings. I feel like I'm just prophesying tonight. I <laughs> just want to speak these words to you. Battles come with warnings. So that we are prepared for the battles. For our God does not want us to fail. Saul himself, he was warned over and over and over. Not to pursue a dead cause. A cause that was not going to glorify God. Where do we find that? That warnings from God. Don't you remember? Even this man he put to death. Ahijah. This man said to him, please don't run after David. David is not your enemy. David is not your enemy. He was told, he was warned. And yet he wouldn't listen to that. Ahimelech, the priest, warned, David, warned Saul. He told him that, not to do that. But David wouldn't listen. I mean, uh, Saul. Again also, David himself said to him, look, I didn't do anything wrong against you. Even I found you sleeping, I could have killed you, but you are not my enemy. No, he wouldn't listen to the warnings himself, but he pursued that. And he killed godly men himself. Well, now his real enemy is after him. And now the Philistine fought against Israel. Fought. Now is not the Israel in the upper position, in the upper hand. They are not really the people set up for winning. It's these enemies of God's people who are fighting to overcome. Let us just observe the order of the words here. It's the Philistines who are fighting. Saul in defensive only. And now we are told the Israelites fled before them. They fled. They have no help. And many fell slain on the Mount Gilboa. Mount Gilboa, when I looked it up, it was like they said it's a mountain of trembling. 
is, 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 is a mountain of traveling, a trembling. That is the meaning of the word. So it's a mountain where people lose heart because it was repeated again in this chapter. In verse 8, the next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. Well, Saul himself is set up himself to die in that place. A place where only people who have no help can perish. All of us, will, we will die one day. But we wouldn't want to die in the wrong place, isn't it? <laughs> we wouldn't want to die in the wrong place. In fact, we want to have a testimony like Mount Pisgah where you see your home in heaven. And that is how godly people, godly people in the past, in their hearts, they long for that. They see the heavenly places in vision. There was a man by name John Jasper, an American, African-American preacher. One day he was just taken into a vision. He was just preaching. And he said, well, he sees his mansion in heaven. And even like he will just go for a visit, visiting his mother, mother's mansion in heaven. You see, so let us be a people who will have this vision of where to depart and how to depart even. To depart in faith. That is why I read earlier that the beginning, the end of matters is better than the beginning of matters. Our journey to, to eternity the, the, the time to depart and the finishing of our, the race is far more better and greater than our beginnings. For that is the aim for us to travel and to finish and to hear Jesus saying, well done, faithful servant. So Saul and the people of God here, they perish because of the lack of obedience. Saul didn't obey. And as a leader himself, he endangered the life of his own people. And I think there is a warning here for leaders. And many of us, we are leaders. Some leaders of our families and the church and uh, workplaces, everything. We are leaders. So whenever we disobey God, we can endanger the life God, the life of the people God put under our leadership. Even in ministry, if you have a leading role in the ministry... Your work with God is so important because that will bless the people you lead and the movements you are part of. And if you delight in the Lord, you will be a blessing not only to yourself but to the people around you. And Saul didn't think so much about the people he led, he was leading. Even in his death also, he was thinking of himself not to be abused by the Philistines, if they come and they find him wounded. So that is why he was urging his arm, armor bearer to draw his sword and kill him before the enemies, his enemies will come. Because he knows that he will be humiliated. Well, he set it up, he set up himself for that humiliation. I'm not saying bad things will do not happen to good people. But clearly, Saul in all his work, was just really telling us one thing that 
that there is no good future for him. Things were not looking good for him. And I think things will not look good for anyone who would want to go against God's grace and all the provision he has made for us and all the provision he has made for us, giving us his word and giving us in the first place his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And also living his spirit with us so that we finish the journey, that we don't do it on our own. I made an announcement, so I don't know why I'm thinking like my sermon next Sunday morning will be a milestone. Romans chapter 8, about suffering. Well, Saul himself didn't think so much about the people he led. He didn't pray for his own people. He didn't discipline himself for the sake of other people. And yet he was their leader. So they fled, they ran. When the promise was that God's people will never flee before their enemies. Isn't it? Jesus told his disciples, he said, when you are brought before really uh, courts and, and judges, do not worry about what you say. I will give you words that will silence them. And you will go out free so that you will be given wisdom. In battles, there is rescue also for a believer. Jehoshaphat or Yahushaphat. This godly man, when he made an alliance with Ahab or Ahab, Ahab. So he nearly got killed. But he himself, he remembered that he was a man in relationship with his God. And also he was raised to be a leader of God's people. He cried out to God, and he was rescued immediately, just like that. He spared. So Saul, even, he didn't even prepare himself to be rescued by God. He didn't have faith in God. If I were in his place, I would cry out. And maybe I have not ever, I've never disclosed this secret to you that that my frequent prayer always is, God, help me. I always pray this prayer. If you cannot pray any prayer, just pray this prayer always. Just always. In the morning, during the day, anytime, anytime. Just pray, God, help me. Pray that. Doing your assignment, pray like that. Someone having trouble, causing trouble to you, God, help me. That is the best prayer you do. God's people were never meant to flee and to be broken before their enemies. Because that is saying something about their God. And these people, these, these Philistines, who were enemies, the idol worshippers, they brought their God to sin. See? There's a war of God, isn't it? <laughs> Every challenge is not for you, it's for your God. Any challenge that is in your life is not to challenge you personally. It's to challenge your God, who you follow, who you trust, who is holding you, in whom you put your trust, who is your Heavenly Father, who is carrying you in the arms, under what shelter are you lying or abiding, who is your Lord and who is your shepherd. 
God's people were never meant to be broken before their circumstances to be defeated by these things. God's people, even in their dire situation, they die with dignity, calling out the name of their God. Even this poor lady that David shared with us, she had Psalm 86 on her side. What a grace. So you can have multiple problems. You can be the poor of the poorest. But if you have God, you are not poor. On your side. Because we know this world is pass, will pass away. And no one will take his wealth with him. We will just go only with our faith. Facing our master and our Lord. And we will be able to say, like Job, that I was a lake to the lame and an eye to the blind. Because you didn't live for yourself like Saul. You live for others. Because you have been saved by grace and called to follow in the footsteps of our master who didn't live for himself. That is why Paul says that we are, Jesus died and rose again. That those for whom he died will not live for themselves any longer, but for him who died and rose again, that we are to live for Christ. And what is the best way for us to live for Christ is to live for his own people. And when we are called into positions of authority as fathers, husbands, Sunday school teachers, managers, lawyers, doctors, we are to look after the people under our care as God's chosen leaders. Well, again, God's people were not meant to, to be defeated. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will, be, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. This is not because these things are very important, isn't it? Are saying, is saying you are depending on God. Your blessings coming from God, isn't it? You may not have all these things, but what is this? What is the principle here? Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in. And bless when you go out. Your daily lives. The Lord will grant that. The enemies who rise up against you. Will be defeated. Before you. Will be defeated before you. And I think there is a call for us here. Really to identify our enemies. And to see them fleeing. Being defeated. And I think that is what the Lord has been laying on our hearts. In our prayers. To pray in such a way that we see God. Really moving whether for salvation of souls, like when, we, when our brother Dr. earlier was praying for this young man who is addicted, my heart just really went out for him, this young man. Because I could see that the enemy has just gripped this young man and robbing him of the blessings of being free to enjoy God's given life, isn't it? I used to smoke, I shared there's a lot. And it was the Lord who just delivered me many, many years ago. And many other things that he had delivered me from. 
and he is still working in my life. So they were meant not to be defeated by their enemies. They will come at you from at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. That means doesn't matter how big they might be in number. So Saul here died. So Philistines praise hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan. See, Jonathan is a good man, isn't it? But a good man is perishing because actually he was under the leadership of his dad. And also God really does not, does not abandon his system, isn't it? God really keeps his covenant and keeps the order. All that he wants from us is, is that we are not found to be blamed. To be blemished. That is what he wants us from. Like Jonathan here, he did everything right and he still he perishes. Just simply because his father really didn't obey God. And some may say, well, why God didn't spare Jonathan when he was so good? That is a big question, isn't it? And the faithful man who just helped David many times, again and again, and why God would allow this man to perish. Because God, he said, you, Saul, if you keep the, the covenant and you obey me, the blessing will come down. Your son seven will be kings in Israel. But if you disobeyed, and then you are endangering your family because I cannot act against my system, my will. That is God's way of doing things. It is not our way. It's not our modern way of doing things, isn't it? This is God. God of order. That is why even if we have a bad president in the country, we cannot just go breaking rules. We heard this morning, this, this morning, we are to pray to God to change the person in position so that we might live in peace. That is what Second uh, Timothy is telling us, second chapter. So this good man perished because his father failed. And I think there is a warning for us here as leaders, again as fathers. Whatever lifestyle that we establish really will say much on how blessing will come on our children. If we choose to do our own things and not to pray earnestly with God, to wrestle with him, to be a blessing to our families, to our boys and girls, so that them themselves will be a blessing to others, to their husband and their wives in the future. Well, Jonathan died here because of his father Saul and his other two brothers. And Saul himself was wounded and was going to die. And then he is himself dying a shameful death. Even falling on his sword. Killing himself. That is not a righteous way to die. And now he is to be ridiculed. And God's people to be ridiculed. Well what the Lord is laying on my heart today was the fact that we need to examine if we are still walking right with God. We didn't hear this story in vain. We need to revisit 
And we have the opportunity right now really to be stirred up again to walk with God rightly, to confess our sins. Like I heard that in prayer earlier that the Lord will not uh, keep us with guilt of a sin that we have confessed, isn't it? So any sin confessed is, will be forgiven. And then we can begin afresh and walk with God. Saul himself, he didn't even pray. He didn't ask for forgiveness even as he was dying. He didn't see God. And that is not a good example for us to follow. But perhaps a warning for us even tonight. And not to go against the covenant that the Lord has made with us. For God is the same. Jesus came to fulfill the covenant. And we are called upon to obey our God. And now, now because God's people, they could see the, the challenge when the people of Jabesh Gilad heard of what, verse 11, what the Philistine had done to Saul. All their violent men journeyed through the night to Beth Shan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Beth Shan and went to Jabesh. Because that was a, a humiliation. Their, their bodies were there. But God's people say, these, these, these men are part of God's people. Regardless of what they did wrong, Saul is special in particular. Still we are to bring his body back. And perhaps we mourn for our sins ourselves before God. And we see that the Lord takes away the reproach from us. Because their cities now are being occupied by the Philistines. Their territories. We sometimes pray figuratively that every territory that the enemy has taken, we take it back in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and territories might be prayer, life, your friends, and with whom you used to have great fellowships. You used to have like 40 people in 8 p.m. prayer meetings here 20 years ago or more so. So maybe we mourn. We may need to mourn and, and pray to God. You see, this is what these people are doing. They took down and they, they fast and they see the next move. Maybe there is a next move for us too. And these meetings are not just in vain, are just to stir us up to walk with God and to repent if we have slumbered or if we have not loved one another or dearly from the heart. If we have no desire to see that God's people are kept, are not humiliated. You know what the Muslims say in Egypt? They call the Egyptian Christians as Kabumali, like there are people who are so unique in their dealings, in businesses, relationships. True Christians shines. So these people, they they came, they took the board of these men, and then they burned them. Just maybe as a symbol of purification. But they took their bone and buried them on the tamarisk tree at Jabesh. And they fasted seven days seeking the Lord for that. Well, if you are facing some challenges, so there is an opportunity for you to fast and pray and see answers to your prayers. 
Let us not be like Saul himself. Let us obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us fast and pray if we are facing to make good decisions, great decisions. We need to fast. Obedience comes before victory. Before we could just enjoy victory, let us obey. Before we could have a good husband who fears God, let us obey the Lord. Before we could have a lovely and a godly wife, let us pray. Before we could see our children coming forth to salvation, let us pray. And I myself am a father of five children. I pray for them day and night. And the Lord God, there's nothing that is too hard for God and nothing that is too late for him, isn't it? For there's nothing that is impossible with God. All that we need is to trust him. To distrust him is to be like Saul. We didn't trust God that even in his disobedience, God might have had mercy on him and rescue him and have a good beginning. Obedience comes before victory. Let us pray.